Well, good morning and welcome to Redeeming Grace Church. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to, to worship with you through song. And now we're going to open up God's word. And so I invite Maggie to read our sermon text this morning. So listen to the word of the Lord. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the ones who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he, sa and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable should we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as if they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Holy God, we rejoice this morning. Whether things are going well or we're experiencing suffering and difficulty, whether we're full of faith this morning or we're struggling with unbelief, we rejoice because you are God and you are good. And Father, I pray that you would enliven our hearts and enlarge our view of you now as we dive into your word. And God, by your spirit, I pray that you'd give us this morning, everyone in this room, ears to hear today. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> now, I don't, uh, I don't sing. I mean, I like singing, like in my car or with all you guys, but not up here. I don't play an instrument, uh, but I really, really like music, all kinds of music, from rap to rock to screamo to post-rock ambient music. Now, when I started listening to music, at first with my parents, it was on records, right? Radio, cassette tapes. If you were born before in 2000, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> then I graduated to CDs in high school and eventually to MP3s and iTunes and made my way over to Spotify. But you know, something that artists still do that really has to actually do with when vinyl was out, when records were out, is they released two different kinds of albums, LPs and EPs. An LP stands for long play. It's what we typically think of as a full-length album. An EP is what we typically think of as a mini album. It stands for extended play, a mini album that has four or five songs on it. Well, over the last few months, we've been in a sermon series called Follow Me in the Gospel According to Mark. And as we come to our text today, we're kind of in the middle of an EP of Jesus's teaching. See, Jesus has been teaching a large crowd of followers and his closest disciples, and he's been teaching them with parables. These, these simple narratives where he uses everyday things to illustrate important concepts and truths. 
And while many of these parables that we're going to even look at today are found in various places in the other Gospels, what we see Mark doing here is collecting four of them, stringing them together, not because Jesus necessarily taught them in this order all at the same time, but because they're all about the same thing, the kingdom of God. Last week, we heard the first parable in this series of parables about the sower. <clears throat> in many ways, it served as both an exhortation and a warning for us, as Jesus used it to illustrate the eternal significance of not only listening to the word of God, but receiving the word of the king and his kingdom. And in our text today, we see three more shorter parables that continue to talk about the kingdom of God. But the focus of these is about the nature of this kingdom. And what we'll see in these parables is that Jesus corrects expectations. He corrects the expectation of how the kingdom will come and what it will look like and be like. And in doing so, what he shows us this morning is that while the growth of the kingdom is often slow and often subtle, it is also far more intentional and far more expansive than anyone could have ever imagined. And because of that, we can now, no matter where we are in our relationship with God, our spiritual journey, no matter what's going on in our own individual lives right now, we can now be encouraged and we can respond in faith and hope and in spreading the word of our king and his kingdom. So let's jump into Mark 4 and listen to this kingdom's parable EP, and may God bless the preaching of his word. Something we learned from our text last week is that Jesus, like we said, is teaching in these parables, but he's doing that for a particular reason. He's doing it to both reveal and conceal truths about the kingdom of God. He's seeking to reveal to those who have ears to hear, but to conceal to those who have hard hearts towards God. And these short stories, like I said, use everyday life kinds of things to help people understand. It gives them an opportunity for reflection. They listen to these things, then they're forced to think about what Jesus is talking about. I mean, they stick in their head, right? I think a lot of us can remember illustrations and examples even after we've heard them. And so the idea is when you see those things out in the real world, hopefully, maybe, you'll connect the illustration to the truth that it represented. So if these collection of parables are about the kingdom of God, let's ask ourselves the question, what exactly is the kingdom of God? Well, since sin entered the world, humanity has been in the kingdom of darkness, a pseudo kingdom that's opposed to God and opposed to his ways, a kingdom that's marked by suffering and sadness and self-focus and sin. But Jesus has come to change all of that. The kingdom of God is the redemptive reign of King Jesus. The redemptive reign of King Jesus where he's redeeming and restoring what sin has destroyed. And as we saw in Mark chapter one, Jesus has come to preach the gospel, to proclaim this good news of the kingdom, which we saw requires repentance and faith in order to enter into that. Repentance of turning away from our allegiance to this false kingdom, to ourself, and instead turning and bowing our knee to Jesus as king and Jesus as Lord of the entirety of our lives. So far, Jesus' ministry has demonstrated the restorative power of the kingdom. We've seen him heal people. We've seen him perform miracles. We've seen him cast out demons. But it's also involved teaching about what life in the kingdom and with the king is like, namely following him. 
that the entirety of our life would be submitted to Jesus' king, that we would follow him in his will and his ways. So now, in the second song of this Kingdom Parables EP, we see Jesus talking about the nature of the kingdom, and we learn about the light of the kingdom. Look at verse 21. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? What exactly is he getting at here? Well, like all parables, again, he's using something common to illustrate a truth. And in this case, it's the common household item of a lamp. A lamp's functional purpose is to light up a room. Now, I really detest fluorescent lights. I I don't like them at all. And so in my office here in the building, I never, ever turn on the overhead lights in my office. Instead, I have four lamps in my office. Now, it would be pretty ridiculous for me to go in during the week and turn on those lamps and then throw a blanket over them or a box over them or hide them all under my desk. That, that would be pointless. Like, what's the purpose then? But the purpose of the lamps in my office is to light up that room, to be able to see in the midst of the darkness. I have a little window, but it doesn't always let enough light in. And so these lamps bring light into that dark place. So what's Jesus's point in using this as an illustration? He's telling us the lamp is meant to be seen. It's meant to shine its light. What exactly is the lamp? Well, it's both the kingdom and the king. It's both the kingdom and the king. There is no king without a kingdom, and there's no kingdom if there's not a king to rule over it. We learn in John 1, 4 through 5, that the word, meaning Jesus, who was with God and is God, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Darkness can't overcome light. Right? You can shine the littlest bit of light into a very dark room and it starts to illuminate that room, as small as a light as it might be. But darkness can't extinguish that light. It works the other way around. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus declares about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The world is in darkness. But Jesus has come to bring the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, to redeem and to restore, to save and set the captives free. But then Jesus says something kind of curious in verse 22. He says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, the light of the king and his kingdom certainly exposes hard hearts and hidden sin. But what Jesus is talking about, what's hidden here isn't those things. What he's saying is hidden is the king and his kingdom. So Jesus' point is that it can't remain that way. He can't remain that way. The kingdom and Jesus must and will shine brightly. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's challenging and correcting expectations. And by doing that, he's encouraging those who have ears to hear. See, the people of Israel, they expected the kingdom of God. They longed for the kingdom of God, but they thought it would come by might and by power, overthrowing foreign oppressors and reestablishing itself as the world power it once was under the rule and reign of King David. That's what they wanted to happen. That's what they hoped would happen. But Jesus doesn't show up in Jerusalem. No, he shows up in a small town in a backwoods region north of the city in the center of all religious activity. You'd expect the king to be. And he's come not with pomp and circumstance and an entourage, he's come with grace and mercy and spends time with the lost and the hurting, the sinning and the suffering. 
too, as he tells us in Mark 10, 45, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His point is, don't miss this, his point is the king and the kingdom are being revealed. The king and the kingdom are coming into this world. Light is breaking into the darkness, but it's happening slowly and subtly, but it's happening purposefully. So what Mark wants his readers to understand is that the blindness of the unbelieving world to Jesus as king and the arrival of this kingdom wasn't accidental. Like Mark's readers might be going like, well, this isn't going the way I thought it would. Like not everybody is following after Jesus. When Jesus actually goes to the cross, there's not many people surrounding him. He looked like a failure from our current world standards of success. So did he get it wrong? Like did he just need a better PR team? Could he have gone about this differently if he had just said some different things? Maybe just said things that people wanted to hear instead of offending or hurting people's feelings or talking about being a king of this kingdom? Maybe this is not the way it was supposed to be. Mark's trying to help us understand this is exactly how it's supposed to be. It's intentional. It was to achieve the purpose and plan of redemption. Jesus had to die in order that we might live. He had to go to the cross He had to bear the weight of our sin. He had to have these enemies who would crucify him so that you and I could have redemption and reconciliation with God as he took on our sin and the punishment that we deserve. And as Brent read from Philippians chapter two earlier, he did that in humility. He took on the form of a servant to die in our place. But because of that, God has highly exalted him. Maybe every knee doesn't bow to the name of Jesus right now, but one day every knee will bow. That's why he says what he does in verses 23 through 25. Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is an invitation to belief. It's an invitation to belief, to hear the words of the king and his kingdom the good news of grace and redemption that he's showing, that he's sharing, that will ultimately be put on display as he goes to the cross and is raised from the grave. But in order for someone to experience the light and life of the king and his kingdom, to enter into it, you must not only hear it, but actually believe it and then keep hearing it and keep believing it and more understanding will come to you. That's what he's getting at in verse 25. Oftentimes, I think when we take that verse out of context, we think this is about money or possessions. Right? The more you have, the more will be given to you. If you don't have much, it's also going to be taken away. That sounds not nice. No, what he's talking about here is the understanding of the kingdom. If you have more understanding of the kingdom, if you're leaning into it, you're listening to it, God's going to keep helping you grow in grace to understand more of it, to experience more of it. But if you have a hard heart towards God and his kingdom, what little understanding you might have, he'll take that away from you. Your heart will only be hardened further. So don't move on too quickly. Be patient, watch, wait, look, listen. Grace upon grace has come in and through Jesus. And in this moment, in this point of the story, it will change everything. And now we can look and see that it has changed everything. But despite the hiddenness, the slow revelation of the king and his kingdom, growth of God's kingdom is certain and it's inevitable. Which leads to the next song in the kingdom parables EP, the growth of the kingdom. 
Look at verses 26 through 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. But there's no command in this parable. The previous one, Jesus told us to pay attention. He doesn't say anything like that here. Instead, Jesus gives this self-contained illustration to show us another aspect of the nature of the kingdom of God. And he brings, once again, something of everyday life into view, scattering seed. So what's he saying here? Well, first, we see that he's likening the kingdom not to something opulent or magnificent, but to common seed. It's another example of the upside down ways of Jesus, the unexpected ways of the kingdom. And I think we can understand the illustration here about growth and his seed. I think about Owen, my 12 and a half year old. It seems like every few weeks I look at him and I ask him the same question. I say, man, have you grown again? You just keep getting bigger and bigger. And he's almost five foot seven as a 12 and a half year old. He just seems to keep growing. He just bought new shoes. He's, I, I put my foot in his shoes. I, my, fit, my foot fits in his shoes now. That's crazy. But I can't watch him grow. Like I can't sit there and stare at him and see an eighth of an inch added or a half an inch added. I just see the results. I just see the results. Jesus is saying you can't always see the growth of the kingdom happening. You can't always see it, but that doesn't mean it isn't happening. No, like a seed underground, something is going on, but it might be out of our understanding. It might be out of our view. See, the kingdom is present. It's growing, even if in a slow, steady, inconspicuous way. That's the way of the king. That's the way of Jesus. It's not quick. It's not like a microwave kind of experience. It doesn't just kind of pop up and and get going. It happens in this slow and intentional way. God doesn't hurl his kingdom on people. No, he plants seeds. But more than that, Jesus is teaching his disciples then. Mark is helping his readers to see, helping us to see that the growth of the kingdom is not up to us. It's not up to us. See, the zealots in Jesus' day, they tried to force the kingdom through political revolution. The Pharisees in Jesus' day tried to bring about the the kingdom through legalistic rule following, but that's not how God works. The farmer scatters the seed, but then he sleeps and he rises again and he does it again and again and again. He can observe the growth, but he doesn't make it happen. It reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter three. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? God gave the growth. God gave the growth. Why? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. As the kingdom advances, the kingdom grows. It's not through our ingenuity. It's not through our smarts or our tactics and schemes. It's because God allows it to happen. God makes it happen so that he gets all the glory. The growth of the kingdom of God is a work of God from beginning to end. It's a supernatural work. He's calling dead men and women to life. I can't do that. Neither can you. Only God can breathe new life into those who are spiritually dead. That means we can't make the kingdom of God advance through politics or religious rule following. We can only be those who are now called to scatter and water the seed of the gospel of the kingdom and trust God with the outcome. As one scholar says, the faith that Jesus requires of his disciples and us 
is to sleep and rise in humble confidence that God has invaded our troubled world, not with a crusade, but with a seed. And the reality is, just like the lamp represents both the king and the kingdom, so does the seed. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, meaning a seed, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus will be crucified. He will die on the cross in our place for our sin. And just like the seed, he will go lifeless into the ground. But he will rise again all in order to bring eternal life to people who are dead in their rebellion, people dead in their sin, people like you and people like me. See, his disciples wouldn't understand this until after his death and his resurrection. But Jesus is giving them them these pictures, these tools to understand that when the time that comes, so they can remember it, even when things don't look like they're happening or things aren't going particularly well, when they're experiencing persecution or difficulty, they can believe and remember that God is still at work. God is always at work to bring about his plans and his purposes. And we can look back on this and do the same. We have to remember that death always comes before resurrection. Even those little deaths in our life always come before there's new life and resurrection. And God is the one who makes it happen. And we can know that one day there'll be no more sowing because as he says in verse 29, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The light and life of the king and the kingdom is growing and it'll continue to grow, but it won't go on forever spreading in that way because one day Jesus will come again. So listen, if you haven't repented, if you haven't believed, if you haven't turned away from trying to be the king of your own life and submitted your life to Jesus, I wanna implore you to do that today. Today is the day of your salvation. Don't wait. Come to Jesus and come alive in him today. But before the end comes, there's more good news about the kingdom of God. And so Mark adds this last parable to the kingdom parables EP, and we see Jesus tell us about the expansiveness of the kingdom. Look at verses 30 through 32. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Again, Jesus challenges expectations about the kingdom. And he does so by showing us that small beginnings don't necessarily mean small outcomes. A mustard seed is super small. We have a picture of it. It's about one to two millimeters in diameter, about the size of a grain of sand. And in Judaism, it was proverbial for smallness. It's an often used illustration for smallness. But when it's planted, it doesn't stay that way. And that's Jesus' point. Whether he's being hyperbolic or talking about an actual mustard plant, he's showing us how something very tiny grows into something exponentially bigger and it's something that spreads. It doesn't just remain in itself, it continues to spread and have more seeds go out and more plants grow that get bigger and bigger. The kingdom of God is like that, Jesus is saying. It will have small, insignificant beginnings, but it'll grow into something greater, something more grand than we could ever imagine and it will be a place of rest for those who come to dwell in its shade. Reminds me of Psalm 91, verses one through two. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. See, the image of these birds nesting in the branches alludes to something that we see in the Old Testament. Old Testament prophets occasionally would use this as a metaphor for the inclusion of Gentiles, for non-Jews to be a part of God's chosen people. This challenges those expectations of the religious leaders of even the people of Israel who thought they were the only ones, the only ones who would be a part of and included in the kingdom. Jesus is seeking to show them, he's seeking to show us that the kingdom of God, it isn't local, it isn't ethnocentric, it's globally expansive and it includes people from every tribe and every language and every nation. Here's what this means. That means that the king and his kingdom isn't limited in power. It isn't limited in ability to rule and reign. It doesn't say I only can go up to this boundary, this border, but I cannot go any further. No, it's cosmic, it's expansive. And in the end, it will surpass all religious establishments. It'll surpass all earthly kingdoms. Not by might, not by power, not by force, but by the Holy Spirit and the spreading of the living and active word of God, the gospel of the king and his kingdom. And it happens with these humble beginnings. We're about to start Advent. These humble beginnings that this king would come into our world in this way, and his kingdom would be for all of the world. Which brings us to the last thing Mark shares with us in these kingdom parables. Look at verses 33 and 34. Mark writes, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is kind of like a bonus song at the end of the EP, an outro, if you will. It's a summary type of statement. Mark's letting us know that this isn't all the parables Jesus used about the kingdom, but it's a sampling of them. But the important thing to note here is that it ties back to the first parable we heard last week, the idea of sowing the seed, which is a picture of the word, the gospel of the kingdom. It will be good soil. Those who by grace and the work of the Holy Spirit will listen to and receive the word, who the kingdom will grow and spread to the ends of earth in and through. See, Jesus taught in parables to both reveal and conceal the kingdom. And he corrected these expectations about what the kingdom would look like and how it would come about. And he helped us to see that even though it's slow and subtle at times, it's always intentional and it's expansive, far beyond what we could imagine. The purpose of these parables, the reason Mark groups them together is to encourage the believer to hold fast and be patient. To be patient for that growth, for that manifestation of the kingdom to actually take place both for those readers in the first century to us today. So what are we to do with all this in our life? Well, for the disciples, all of this is a part of Jesus unveiling the kingdom of God to them. Jesus is calling them to look forward to what's coming. But again, they wouldn't fully understand what he's saying or what was happening until after the resurrection. And in many ways, these parables would be helpful later for them as they looked back and considered the truths that Jesus was teaching with them teaching them. Now for Mark's readers and for us, it's a little bit different. See, we can look back on what Jesus taught. We can look back on what Jesus did for us, but these parables also help us to look forward in hope. That even as you and I live life in a fallen world, in a broken world, we can look at these parables and be reminded that the light of the kingdom, the growth of the kingdom, the expansiveness of the kingdom are still very real and very active. 
And because of these truths, we can respond in faith and hope and in scattering the word of our king in his kingdom until he comes again or calls us home. If we look back at verse 24, we see Jesus told his disciples to pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. This isn't about putting on good listening ears, right? I don't know if you ever work with little kids, if you're serving grace kids or coach a sports team, half the time it's just like, I just need you to look at me, <laughs> right? Like eyes on me. If you're, if you're looking at me, at least I trust that you're maybe listening to me. That's not what he's saying here. He's not like, hey, pay attention, heads up. And when he's saying pay attention here, he's talking about taking it to heart, to actually believing what he says. Paying attention is an act of faith. The more we listen to the words of the king, the more we press into who Jesus is and what he's calling us to, the more faithful we can be to walk in his will, to walk in his ways, even in a world that we find ourselves in that's marked by distraction, it's marked by discouragement and dysfunction. And when we're more faithful following after Jesus, it's then that we can be more fruitful. See, these parables are meant to encourage Jesus' hearers and Mark's readers in us today They show us that God's plans and his purposes are sure. They're sure. They show us not to underestimate what God is up to. This has been helpful for me over the years. When when things are uncertain in my life or they feel unstable around me, when something in, in life isn't going the way that I'd hoped or expected, Something in ministry isn't happening in the way that I'd hope or it's maybe not going as quickly as I would like it to go. When I'm confronted with sin and suffering, my own or others. This week, just hearing about two little kids who are in the hospital experiencing difficulty. And God, it's so hard. Why? What are you doing? When the world around me feels like it's literally falling apart. Depending on what we're reading or hearing, it can feel like it's always on the brink of disaster. When I don't see my kids or my neighbors moving towards God or understanding the gospel in the way I'd hoped, then I can come back to the truth of this text and I can take a breath. I can take a breath. I can mentally rest. I can literally go to sleep in peace, trusting, believing. God is in control, that God is at work, even even if it's in ways that I don't see or know or it isn't in my timing, this is the way that I would do it. See, these truths help me to have faith that his kingdom cannot be quashed, it cannot be quenched, and that I don't have to work harder by my own strength and my own power to bring it about. The truth in these kingdom parables can help me to continue to have faith in the faithfulness of God. We sang about that this morning. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus. We can have confidence in who he is. It's helped me to come back to these truths and I hope it gives you hope and help as well. Man, don't we have to keep coming back to them? We go about our week, it's a Tuesday morning or a Thursday afternoon and we forget. And then unbelief starts to creep back in. Worry starts to rise up again. Our anxiety starts churning. We have to come back to this again and again. Our faithful king and his, the growth of his kingdom. 
See, Jesus is telling us about the small, subtle, humble beginnings of the kingdom, but this small beginning gives way to an epic ending. And Jesus, after this point of teaching, he'll be falsely accused and convicted and sentenced to death. And he'll die a heinous death on a cross. And three days later, he'll rise up from the grave. And through that, as the Holy Spirit comes, the church of Christ will be born. And Peter will preach a sermon. And thousands of people will come to know and repent and believe and be baptized and follow after Christ and the gospel. And the seed of the kingdom will spread to the ends of the earth. And then we get to Revelation chapter 7. And the apostle John has this vision. Listen to this. And after this, John says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. No one could number. Like, we don't have a concept of that. You can go to a University of Tennessee football game. I know they lost yesterday. It's okay. And there's 100,000. There's 100,000 people there. 100,000. But you can still count them. You can't count how many people John sing. Beyond number. And who are these people? They're from every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages. And what are they doing? They're standing before the throne and before the lamb where the king is clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. It's his kingdom. He advances it. It belongs to our God, the one who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels. What do they do? They respond in worship. They were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then in Revelation chapter 21, John sees this. He says, I saw no temple in the city. As the new city comes, the new heavens and the new earth. Why? For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. It doesn't need lamps. It doesn't need fluorescent lights. Why? For the glory of God gives it light. Check this out. And its lamp is the Lamb. Its lamp is the Lamb. This Lamp that's hidden, that needs to be exposed, that needs to shine bright. In the end, there's no need for any other light in all of our world. No stars, no sun, no moon, because the lamp, the glory of God in Christ shines everywhere. And by its light, the light of the kingdom, will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. They'll submit to King Jesus and its gates will never be shut by day. And there'll be no night there, no shadows, no darkness anywhere. They, the nations, will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. No more suffering, no more sin, no more difficulty, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's written in the Lamb's book of life? Those who pay attention and hear and receive the word of the King in his kingdom. Is that you? Brothers and sisters, the light, the growth, the expansiveness of the kingdom will come about not because of my or anyone else's cleverness or ingenuity. They will come about because God. Because you and I know the beginning and we know the end, what we can do now is walk by faith and be faithful and continuing to scatter the seed of the kingdom wherever we are. We can continue to be a light reflecting the light of Christ to those around us. Like Kenneth said last week, like Jordan mentioned this morning, maybe every opportunity you have with a person who doesn't yet know Christ, maybe you don't have the opportunity to share the whole gospel, but you can start to plant seeds of the gospel in hopes that you'll have opportunity to tell them more about Christ. We want them to understand who Jesus is. 
So we can be faithful to sow those seeds, not with the pressure that we have to close the deal. It's not up to you. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who gives ears to hear and eyes to see. We are called to go and be faithful and trust him with the outcome. So where has God placed you? And how are you seeking in that place to bring the word of the king and the influence of the kingdom to those around you? Listen, you and I live in the now and the not yet. Jesus has come. We have redemption. We sang it is finished upon the cross. But we're waiting for him to come again. We're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom to come. And man, at times that is really hard. It's really hard. We are strangers in a strange land, sojourners. This place is not our home, and we feel it. We feel it. But brothers and sisters, don't lose heart. Hold fast. The king and his kingdom have come, and one day he will come again to finish what he started, and he will make all things new. But until that day, pay attention. Pay attention, hear what he has to say and rest in the restoring grace of King Jesus and say, amen, come Lord Jesus.